Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds Podcast. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen. And then you can move along. Move along. And may the force be with you. Always. Welcome back, Mandalorian fans. This is the Credible Nerds Podcast. We'll be reviewing episode six of The Mandalorian, The Prisoner. We'll be talking about this different episode. It's a little different than the rest. Um, we'll get down with that and talk about it. My name is Justin. I'll be your host, as always. And I have my fellow Mandalorians with me, Blake and Nathan. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, doing great. So we've been talking Mandalorian for the past three, four episodes now. And um, I liked this one in the sense that it was a little different in that the Mandalorian didn't go to a planet and have like this problem he had to solve. And then he left the planet. It was, you know, it was all in space. It was on a ship. Actually, there were two different ships that he was on. And that's where all the action took place and uh, the story took place. So it was a little different, which I enjoyed. Um, and then there were some things that I, I didn't notice before or had forgotten, perhaps, that uh, we were exposed to. So we'll talk about that. Um, for you, just first off, first impressions, get back and revisiting this episode. For you, Nathan, what did you think of kind of the overall feel and tone of this compared to the previous five episodes? Yeah, uh, overall, I mean, after watching it, you know, I, I appreciated you know, the, the change in direction, it felt kind of like a little bit like a, like a heist kind of episode, which I always enjoy those types of, of movies, uh, not, and, uh, you know, we learn a little bit about, and, and, and not in great detail, but we get a glimpse of, of, of a past that the Mandalorian had, uh, you know, Mandalorian, he's, he's no spring chicken. You know, I think at first we get the impression that he's kind of like this young guy, but I kind of got the sense from this episode that, you know, he's he's been around the block and so to speak, and he, he certainly has a past, maybe even one that's um, more extensive than we realize when um, when he starts talking to Ran and we learn that that he's uh, been a part. He was part of a crew that, uh, that went on different jobs or missions. Um, you know, again, they don't go into great detail. And of course, uh, other care, you know, we find out that there's other characters in this episode that he meets that he has some type of past or history with. Um, and I was just kind of thinking to myself, you know, in order for all that to happen, um, you know, there must have been, you know, a, a, quite a, a bit of time passed before in the Mandalorian's life before we get to this point. But uh, that's kind of the impression I got. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Some good points made. Uh, what about for you, Blake? What are your initial impressions on this episode as compared to the previous ones? Yeah, it was, it was a good switch up, you know, to, to get them uh, on this ship. It, it was interesting. I mean, it was a, uh, it was a Republic ship. And so it was a little different and a little bit of a, a 180 from, from some of the, the forces he's been fighting up until now. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. And, and like Nate said, you, you get a little bit of a, a 
some hints into his sordid past, right? And uh, I kind of find found myself thinking, man, what what exactly is and isn't included in the Mandalorian code, right? Yeah. <laughs> because that was a pretty uh, uh, pretty rough group that obviously was doing uh, uh, doing some pretty sea uh, jobs, and and uh, and I think it was you know at one point it was is it Twilight is that is that yeah. uh, the girl's name and uh, and she mentioned you know she referred to something that happened on one of their previous jobs and and said something along the lines of but you enjoyed it right and so obviously he's done some 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 things in the past and uh that are a little out of character uh, uh from the mandalorian i think that we know in the series so far but yeah yeah that stood out pretty pretty clear as the, the show went on this episode went on and the dialogue and he's meeting up with his old crew, all that stuff, all that stuff came out. So and I got the sense that he didn't want to talk about it, that, you know, that was in the past. So maybe he's embarrassed about it or has moved on. He's a better person now. So that was an interesting conflict there for the story. So I don't remember how he ends up going to this base station, I guess you could call it, to meet up with his old crew. I think maybe they needed some money and um the, this guy offered him a job offered him this job that he could earn some credits if i remember correctly so he goes there he meets up with this guy that he used to run with and he's like tells him about the job and he introduces him to the the crew and we got uh, mayfield who is an ex-imperial sharpshooter not a stormtrooper but a sharpshooter <laughs> so he had some pretty cool weapons uh we saw them being used throughout the episodes that was nice uh then there's the the big red guy i i think it's devorian is what he is so his, his name is berg berg he goes by berg and his race is yeah davaronian davaronian okay which was pretty cool because you know we see we see that race uh in the a new hope in the cantina scene yeah yeah so it'll tie in there and then there was the droid Zero, who's uh, an assassin droid from what I gather. And then there was the Twi'lek wimp girl, um, Zeon. Is that how you say it? Yep. Okay. And so he's introduced to him. He didn't know Mayfield, so they're kind of trading shots at each other and trying to out outdo each other with their, their verbal sparring. Then he meets Berg and... Berg sizes him up and is like, oh, you're, you're tiny, you know, you're small. I thought you'd be bigger. Or then he meets the droid and then he meets Zeon. And apparently they were friends at the very least, if not more. And yeah. so it was, she was kind of glad to see him. He wasn't glad to see her. And there's not much preamble. It's like, okay, here's the job. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go. Uh, board this Republic cruiser that's a basically a prisoner ship and we're gonna get this prisoner and bust him out and we're gonna escape and then they got yeah. on there got on the ship and left yeah you know and they gave the impression at first that it was like hey we we had a conflict with another crew on a job and one of our guys got nabbed and then of course they reveal what their the real job is and it's a uh it's a new Republic prisonership 
at which point Mandalorian's like, whoa, uh, I don't want that kind of heat. You know, this is, this is, uh, this is too much for me. What I found interesting is kind of like, you know, the, the, they kind of made an, a point to say, you know, the, the real reason we wanted you is not so much you, but we needed your ship. And the reason why we needed your ship is because um, your ship's off the grid. It's not on any type of uh, New Republic or Imperial record. So, you know, there's no way to trace it. Which, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, I, I, you know, what exactly did that did that mean? Why why wouldn't it be? You know, and uh, you know the the droid. It's like, it's like a. It's like an unregistered Chevelle or something. Like <laughs> yeah. You know? And the, the droid, uh, Zero, he was just kind of like, you know, the ship's got, you know, it's got a lot of, uh, it's got a lot of history to it. It's kind of falling apart, but, you know, but if it, if, if the, uh, if the Imperial or New Republic knew about the ship, they would definitely uh, impound it because, you know, it's, it's got some, abilities that they typically wouldn't want a ship to be able to do so i thought that was interesting yeah and the razor crest is a repurposed gunship from the clone wars so it's been around you know pre-empire so that's possibly how it's not on their database or whatever because it was you know 20 years before well i guess it's not that long it's um three four years at most before the empire was formed so so it's like that sh- that those ship that you see in the Clone Wars is kind of like a sh- uh, a gunship slash uh, troop transport that had the the big open doors on either side mm-hmm. that uh, you, Padme fell out of in that uh, yeah the one movie yeah yeah and it has the the laser balls on on the mm-hmm. side yeah, yeah yeah I see that now I didn't realize that yeah so it's that kind of ship. He, I guess he fixed it up to, you know, be more his style, what he needs. So, yeah, they they wanted the ship basically because of, like you said, it's not registered, and he they can sneak in and sneak out, no problem. But while they're going to this cruiser, they're on the ship, and Zero's flying the ship, and they're just kind of hanging out in the the hold to there, talking and. We get a little more about um, their relationship uh, in the past and and things like that. And they also discover a baby Yoda. Like he's in this uh, closet that he sleeps in and he's, he's uh, revealed. And so Mayfield picks him up and Mandalorian gets a little nervous, Uh, but then he's able to get him back. But so I think that, that part was, was kind of interesting with the dialogue there between all of them where they were kind of, they were again trying to outdo each other with their dialogue and just what their, their experiences were and trying to feel each other out. So. Yeah. I I think that's when, you know, there was some, some of the conversation about uh, again, as they're filling, filling each other out, asking questions about the Mandalorian and his past and, and uh uh, again, sizing him up, and uh, w- which was kind of all surprising because, you know, throughout the uh, throughout the episode, they're you know talking about how the Mandalorians are 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 the fiercest warriors, and and obviously, um, uh, 
you know, Mando, he's, he's one of the best of the best. That's pretty established. And, and it seems like established with them as well. So I kind of thought, man, if all they needed was his ship, why didn't they just like offer to pay him to rent it versus all of, all of the other work and danger, uh, to the, you know, to the mission. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of established just kind of how bad he is, but, but it made me question why they, uh, went in so deep and, and kind of had the plan to double cross him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause he wasn't like a threat to them. He, you know, he's not their rival or anything. He's just, they called on him to help them out. So they could have said, Hey, we borrow your ship for, like you said, some money or whatever. So good point. Yeah. So that's what they do. They end up landing on the ship. They go in through the top hatch and sneak their way into the control center and on the way, they see, you know, the mouse droid that we've, we first saw in A New Hope that pops up every once in a while. And then we see these uh, assassin droids that they, they reminded me of the ones from the game um, Knights of the Old Republic. Did you guys ever play that back in the day? There were some droids that looked like that, yeah. but... I did not. Those droids, that game took place like, I don't know, a couple thousand years before the current timeline, so obviously not the same but they were very similar looking to that um but they had trouble with him but mandalorian was able to sneak around back and take him out and basically took what four or five maybe six on his own took him out so we got to see some you know his skill his skill set and what he can do with all his weapons and his fighting skills that was pretty cool to see i thought it was interesting that they just sat back and watched and we yeah. find out later why, but they're just like, hey, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of telling from the get-go that, you know, they're like, he was obviously there as some type of uh, pansy or uh, Patsy. Uh, Patsy, yeah. Patsy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a pansy, but a Patsy for them <laughs> and or uh, someone that they wanted to set up and and either let, let them get injured but do all the work, right? Ultimately, and they really just wanted his ship. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting as they walked through the corridor before they encountered um, the guards, as they had some scenes where they showed other prisoners. And it looked like there was one prisoner that was an Imperial. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And then there was another prisoner that was, an, and I don't recall the name, but the, the species was the same as the, uh, the pilot from the solo movie. Um, Rio Durant. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, that was interesting to see that. And I, I, and I love that they always do that in these movies that they, they kind of have these Easter eggs where they kind of bring the, they kind of fold the pages of the different movies and different series, um, the pages, so to speak. And so that you, you kind of brings, brings the whole universe together, even though they're different shows and different movies that, you know, how they tie them all together here and there, like stuff like that, like with, for example, Berg and his character. And, uh, and so I, I can always appreciate that. Yeah. There was even a last Jedi reference where they mentioned Canto bite, the, the key casino from that movie. So 
Yeah, they're doing a good job with bringing all the saga together uh, with dialogue, with characters, with ships, droids, you know, whatever. So that's, yeah, that's good stuff. So they make their way to the control center. There's one human on board and he's there. He's kind of running the show. And they didn't realize that, but they end up um, killing him because he's a witness, basically. But one more thing is that guy, uh, his character, I don't think he had a name, but uh, the actor is Matt Lanter, who is the voice of Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars. So he got his little cameo there. So that was kind of, kind of, kind of cool to see. But um, so his death actually comes back later on in the series. So that's why we're talking a little, a little bit about it. Um, and he has this tracker that he's going to initiate to call for help from the new Republic. But, and when they kill him, he presses the button. So then they got like 20 minutes to get in and get out or else the, the new Republic's going to show up and, and find them, discover them. So, um, so they figure out where the prisoner is. They, they go down the halls and they finally get him, And it's revealed that the prisoner is uh, Jian's brother, who's also a Twi'lek. So they break him out and here we get some more dialogue that um, he's the reason the Mandalorian is the reason why he's in there. Why he got caught by the new Republic. So that makes you wonder, you know, how long has he been in there? How long ago did they run together, this crew and work together? Was it pretty recent or has it been like 10 years? I don't know. So that was an interesting reveal. So they're going to break the prisoner out, but then before they do, they Mandalorian surprised to see him and he's like, Oh, what's going on here? He kind of realizes at that point, you know, this isn't what it appears to be. He's, he was a little wary beforehand, but this uh, sealed the deal. So they push him in there and close the door. So he's, he's now trapped in that prison and they, they get ready to take off and go back to the ship. Um, But he's able to escape. He, grabs one of the droids and it'll rip his arm off and use it to use the access key to, to get out. And he ends up going back to the control room and sees where they are and shuts the door. So they get separated and then he's able to track them down individually and take care of them. One thing he, and he gets the tracker that the, the one soldier had and he uses, he pockets that for later use. But it was interesting when the, when Berg came to to stop him that it was a pretty even fight. And Mando was using all his weapons. He used the the whistling birds that didn't work. He was using his flamethrower that he just, Berg just walked through and didn't even burn him. And, you know, all these things that his tricks weren't working on this guy. So finally he had to uh, push him out the door and use the door to, uh, I don't know, restrain him, I guess. I thought he was dead at first when that second door I closed. Thought, <laughs> yeah, well, I thought the first one took his head off and yeah. then he kind of showed his strength and pushed that up. And so then the side doors come in. And I, I again, just I'm amazed that those doors don't have any kind of safety sensor or anything. <laughs> but um, just, yeah. I liked I like, it. And I like the, uh, and uh, it's like Mandalorian, he really likes to use doors when he fights people. 
Yeah. <laughs> first... I thought that's the second, that's second the... door fatality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just right. You're like, there's it, from the, from the way it appeared there, it, it literally looked like his head got smashed in those yeah. doors. And I was like, Whoa, he's Mando's pretty ruthless. Cause you kind of, at the first episode, that one guy gets cut in half. But from that point forward, you don't really see Mando really taking guys out, at least not fatally. Um, Other than troopers. Yeah. And, uh, and droids. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that, that was, that was pretty intense and definitely killed the, killed them. Yeah. I was expecting to see some smooshed guts or blood all over the door or something, but didn't see it. Didn't happen. Yeah. So then he goes after um, Baker or Shao. He goes after Baker and kind of grabs him. He's, he kind of does the Batman thing that oh, I thought was pretty sweet. Whereas, you know, kind of the, the hallway with the flashing lights and every time the flash the light flashes on you see him goes off comes back on you don't see him goes off comes back on you see him and he's closer you know was, uh, that was a pretty cool sequence yeah. then he grabs him so take out mayfeld yeah so with zian she is always using these knives right throughout the, the whole show and i'm like what are those knives gonna do really yeah um and i still think that but we saw how she uses them there when she attacks Mando and she's throwing him at him like repetitive pretty quickly and he gets stabbed in the arm with one of them but he is able to deflect him pretty well and grabs her and takes care of her too uh then so while all this is going on Zero's on the ship waiting for them to come back and baby Yoda's there (laughs) so we get a little baby Yoda shenanigans here, which I thought was pretty funny. He's like hiding, basically playing hide and seek with them, trying to draw the droid out of the cockpit. He's pretty smart, right? Draws him out of the cockpit, down into the hold, down to the back of the hold, and then he goes back to his closet to hide. So he's kind of playing some games with him to distract him. Um, then we find out later... So Mando takes care of all the this crew except for uh, Quinn, the brother. He's he's getting ready to get on the ship when Mando catches up to him, and there's some some dialogue there like, "Oh, you got to hold to the code, you got to finish the job," because he's you know trying to talk him out of killing him. So we find out that Mando does bring him in onto the ship, and uh, just when Zero's about to shoot Baby Yoda. Mando shoots zero and then they, they head back to um, the base, the base ship where they were, they started. Um, And then we find out that this crew that he had been running with, that he'd been working with, he had put them all in the same cell and they were, we see um, Borg or we see Berg just kind of wake up and his horns are broken. He's like, Oh, I got a headache. <laughs> so he didn't get smashed by the door. He just uh, got knocked out, I guess. So, and then Mayfield and Zian are in there too. So didn't kill him. He's, he's changed his ways, you know, throughout the whole episode, we were led to believe that, you know, he takes care of business and does what he has to do, but it seems like he's changed a little bit. He doesn't do the same things that he used to do. He's, He's more, a more morally 
um, good character. Yeah, when they kind of have that Mexican standoff with the one guard, the one living human guard from uh, from the New Republic, who was basically manning the ship. You know, he was just like, "Hey, no one's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. I didn't sign up for this." And uh, and they're like, "You know, what, what do you care?" You know, and they kind of like all draw their guns and all point at at each other. But uh, you know, definitely. Definitely, definitely something's happened to him where he's, he's, he's changing, right? Or has changed uh, since at least that we get the sense of since whatever his life was like prior to the, uh, the, the first episode and well, and up, up to and after this, the first episode when, when he finally decides to kind of take on this quasi-fatherhood role to the child. Do you guys think that he, the him taking over the care of Baby Yoda and rescuing him from the clients in the second episode, was that the catalyst that kind of pushed him forward into that realm or was he already there or at least a little bit there and then with the re- Baby Yoda rescue, it cemented him on that path? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh I'll go. I'll go. I think it did. You know, I I think when, as they show flashbacks of him as a child being rescued by the Mandalorians. um, And I I think this whole, that whole experience um, basically, and then, and now he has kind of recognized that, this is kind of like the story has come full circle and the child has now kind of replaced is in the position he was when he was a little kid and how someone took him in. And I think, I think when he, after he delivered the child to the client and realized, you know, what experience he had had, he, he did have a change of heart and, I think it kind of like, you know, had a Grinch moment, right? Where his heart grew and he just was like, I I can't be this person anymore. And now I realize that I have, you know, I I have the, the universe has given me a a second chance to, to pay back um, what, uh, what a, what a great thing happened to me and how, how lucky or fortunate I was to be rescued and taken in. Now I have to kind of pay karma back and do the same thing. So I do think that was kind of like the main catalyst that changed him. And he's, he's put himself on a new, on a new path. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, he was, he was a little hesitant bringing the child in, but it didn't seem like he had a whole lot of trouble, you know, uh, uh, turning him in and, and, and then he kind of had that change of heart and, and went back and, and kind of felt like it was, uh, there's no turning back on a moment. And, and he kind of started to, to go down that other path, except for droids. He still seems, uh, pretty okay with blowing their heads off. Yeah. No, no remorse there. That's for sure. It's just a droid. I'd blow their head off too. (laughs) Right through the side. Yeah. yeah. He does like that shot. 
We've seen it a couple times now. He does. He does. Yeah, so he heads back to the, the base ship, like we said, drops off Quinn, gets his money, leaves, and then as he's leaving, the I, what's the, the main guy's name, the beard guy? Ran. Ran, that Ran? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then Ran tells his guys, you know, kill him, take him out. So he double crosses him. And, but before that happens, uh, we see that Mandalorian had slipped the tracker from the ship into Quinn's pocket or something. And these X-Wings show up and just blast that ship. And Mando's able to escape, but that uh, Ran and his ship just explode. And that's the end. So there's, there was a cool cameo with um, the three X-Wing pilots uh, were the directors of, of this first uh, season. Some of the episodes of the first season, we had Dave Filoni and Deborah Chow and Rick, I think it's Fumiyara. I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but uh, you know they were some directors of the show. And actually Dave Filoni, his character was Trapper Wolf and he makes an appearance later on in the series. So. Yeah, I thought that was great. And I was kind of curious because, you know, the tracker's there. So they start blasting the gunship that's in the hangar that's about to take off. Mm-hmm. And then they, the camera kind of pans away and to the Mandalorian and he's, as he flies away. But you can hear, you know, the, the blaster fire in the background. But I was just kind of curious if, do they actually just continue to pummel that space station until ultimately blow it up? They kind of never really showed it. So I wonder yeah, kind of cut away. Yeah. So I wonder if it's still around. There is a potential or possibility as they love to do in Star Wars is the characters you think are dead aren't dead and they bring them back somehow. So I wonder if yeah. if somehow or another we'll see uh, we'll see Quinn or, or, or Rand show up. I, I, I don't think we will because they don't seem to be integral characters but maybe maybe they'll show up as part of a, a side episode so to speak and um yeah but uh yeah 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 they were uh they were quick to shoot though i was pretty surprised you know <laughs> uh, with the uh with the tracker which which was kind of weird as well i i kind of was wondering why there was a portable tracker yeah. on the ship that was being protected and then, you know, they just kind of, I mean, they just come well, in, they're like, all right, yeah, it looks like well, they're loading up a ship, let's blow it up. Well, if, if the so. tracker, the tracker is on or held by the, 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 the New Republic Guard, so you would think that logic would dictate that, that the New Republic Guard was kidnapped and he was now on that ship. But and you're right. Yeah. The 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 trio of X-wings are like, there's a gunship. Let's blast it. And they just like, without giving any thought to maybe their comrade, there in arms was was the one on that ship. So, but you know, whatever, yeah. it works. Yeah, and my thought was like, yeah. how strong is this tracker? I mean, it's like this little <laughs> three like by it's two. Going off like uh double a batteries not yeah it's like a you know? garage door opener and it can <laughs> send signals across the galaxy 
it even has a little antenna that you know, pull yeah. out like an old <laughs> cell phone. And... Yeah. I'm <laughs> glad my garage door opener isn't that powerful. I know. No. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's episode six of The Mandalorian. Um, def- thanks for listening. And we'll be talking about episode seven. Uh, stuff uh, starts happening in this next two episodes for the the end of series the end of season one so we'll be talking about uh, the next episodes here shortly but we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of uh, the mandalorian review show from the credible nerds definitely check us out uh, on facebook and and twitter and follow us there on social media and we want to thank uh, nathan and blake for joining us this time once again and may the force be with you